views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. The afternoon edition. Well done, Stark. Don't you just love the news business? This wasn't easy. It's not supposed to be easy. I wouldn't need your services if it was easy, would I? Yeah, well... How many more? As many as it takes to kill the Daily Planet. Because then, Stark, I will control over 80% of what the American people read. When you control what they read, you control what they think. And when you control what they think, then you can really begin to make it happen. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, February 3rd, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. 519-661-3600 is the number you can call if you want to join us on our topics of discussion today. We've got a few of them all on one theme, eh, Robert? Yes, indeed. Interesting I suggest, stuff. I would suggest the theme of our show might be called The Fourth Estate. Who controls the news and how? And how does it all happen that our subheadings would be copyright as censorship, uh, media crisis creation, how the media creates its own crises, and, of course, rationing the Internet and user-based billing, which is hot in the news today. We'll be talking about all of those things. So once again, 519-661-3600 if you want to join us in our conversation, or email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Well, Robert, it finally, finally hit home last week. Everything we've been talking about since the year began has now put us in, in a position of where we're not just reporting the news, but we, you know, a little bit of a way are the news, in the sense, at least in my situation, with the Freedom Party of Ontario, Exhibit A, <laughs> in a copyright dispute. I was caught between a rock and a hard place over the past week, as quite unexpectedly, beginning about a week ago, I find myself having to explain, immediately after a media release was issued to the media by Freedom Party, and of course I'm the president of Freedom Party. Yes. And uh, we issued a media release uh, to the media at large and to the internet and blogging community. And uh, suddenly they were asked why when they were going to view our just released uh, ad on YouTube, an election ad on race-based public schools, they were met with a notice saying that the ad was removed as a result of an alleged copyright violation. Ironically, the first I personally heard of the ad being removed was through an email by a party supporter. But apparently what happened was, and we don't know the whole story yet, it hasn't completely worked its way out yet, but CTV suppressed a Freedom Party election ad that was opposing racism on January 26, citing an unspecified alleged copyright violation. CTV Globe Media had filed a copyright infringement claim against Freedom Party with YouTube.com. Not with us, with YouTube. Um, only hours after Freedom Party released an election ad titled 
close Ontario's race-based public schools. So they didn't even give you an opportunity to perhaps talk about it or take it down or no, tell you what they... No, they took it down first. You know, the, the reason is CTV filed its complaint relying on YouTube's shoot first and ask questions later policy of pulling video strictly on the basis of a filed complaint, whether valid or not. They don't waste their time checking. Now, this is sort of harm Freedom Party's spotless reputation with the YouTube video distri distributor, as the complaint counts as, or would have counted, as one strike against Freedom Party, with a maximum of three strikes allowed before YouTube can decide whether they want to shut down an offending uh, video channel. Now, given that Freedom Party's YouTube viewing stats dwarf those of the Liberals and the PC parties and leaders, you can add them all together, they don't come close. While the major networks like CTV, you know, they consciously shut Freedom Party out of the election debates and campaign coverage. So you can see why, for us, the stakes are high. Now, we'll get, back, we'll get into the specifics of this later on. A little later on, we'll, we'll let people hear the, the ad themselves, which has been played by other radio stations, too. But Freedom Party's ad drew attention to the facts that... One, Ontario even has race-based schools. And two, that both Ontario's Liberals and Progressive Conservative governments have gone on record as not being opposed to these tax-funded race-based schools. The ad also condemned, uh, you know, the racist notions and philosophy still being taught in Ontario's public schools and promoted by supposedly anti-racist types, you know. Now, more significantly with respect to the timing of the CTV complaint, Freedom Party's Close Ontario's Race-Based Public Schools ad drew the attention of CFRB Radio 1010 in Toronto with Ryan Doyle and Tarek Fatah, who on their friendly fire radio show the previous day, uh, on January 25th actually, aired uh, portions of Freedom Party's YouTube ad and fielded a number of calls by very outraged listeners questioning why both McGinty and Hudak had been tolerating this. Uh, and, you know, in what appears or appeared to be, you know, precedent-setting speedy reaction to an alleged copyright violation, CTV's action was never really justified. We haven't been informed which portion or portions of the ads are considered to be a violation of copyright. Now, again, at no time prior to its filing of the complaint with YouTube did anyone from CTV contact us. We contacted them. Nor was Freedom Party given any warning of the ad having been removed until, of course, YouTube gives you a, a letter saying, well, it's gone, somebody took it down. And, you know, ironically, it's always been a very careful practice by Freedom Party to avoid copyright violations in the production of any of our material. Doesn't mean we don't use copyright material, because not all copyright use, as we have explained over and over again on this show, is a violation. It doesn't constitute a violation, and no one stated to us yet how it can possibly be a violation. So, you know, and, and that's by both legal precedent and conventional practice. You can see what's going on out there. And um, it's interesting, too, because the, the Freedom Party YouTube posting actually had a textual transcript of CT's referenced report. It's only a single sentence, by the way, that they're complaining about, identifying the source of, of the CTV report. A know? single sentence? And how long does the clip last, do you know? Well, the, the whole clip is is 90 seconds, we'll hear it, but I mean, there's a single sentence in it from CTV, which a is strictly sentence. informative, was not put in any incorrect context, like the recent Harper ad we just heard about, where they where they used Ignatiev going, yay, 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 and, and putting that on, the, which was copyright material, by the way, uh -huh. and putting that on the end of a piece, um, in out of context, by the way. But it's interesting that... Uh, uh, well, he, Paul McKeever, our, you know, our party leader, he had written to 
CTV and said, we've received no written complaint or communication uh, concerning any alleged violation of copyright. We're not aware of what part or parts of the video is considered by CTV Globe Media to constitute copyright infringement. And um, we basically denied that we violated any copyright at all. And um, we asked CTV to take the steps necessary to take, to, to retract its claim. And um, Paul wrote to them, clearly CTV has singled out Freedom Party of Ontario in its decision. Given the impact of CTV Globe Media and its actions today, Freedom Party of Ontario requires rapid remediation, etc., etc. Now, what's really interesting is that if you go online to see the ad now, it'll be there in two places because out of the blue, unexpected to us, CTV contacted us on the first, I think it was, and now our ad's back up on YouTube and our strike against us has been taken away. Throughout all this, we've taken no action. We've just been sitting there going, what? Huh? <laughs> but, in, in, you know, you got to realize what's happened to us. We put out a media release and all of a sudden, during the week of the release, when people would be looking for the ad, it's not there not where it's supposed to be. We, we put it up on our own site, on Freedom Party site, received no complaints from CTV over that one. Same ad. But when it was on YouTube, for some reason, they didn't like it. But I'll get back to the specifics on this after our first break, but first I have to take a little step back to set the backdrop of this entire situation. Now, I'm personally involved in this, so I've got a stake in it, okay? So you can take whatever I say as a person who has a stake in it, but I hope it's subjective. You know, I hate to say things like this. It sounds a bit like I'm whining, but let's face it. In the past, Freedom Party has been demonstrably treated unjustly and unequally in the Ontario political arena. You know this yourself, Robert. Of course. You, 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 you went through it. The corporate media has explicitly excluded us from their news coverage, despite Freedom Party's incredibly disproportionate influence in Ontario politics. Freedom Party leaders are not allowed in the Ontario leaders' debate, despite being only one of a handful of registered parties in the province. And unlike the other major parties who get taxpayer-paid subsidies, Freedom Party has to operate on its own 100% voluntary contributions, and on and on and on it goes. I could, you know, it wouldn't be in my interest to enumerate each and every injustice Freedom Party has suffered as a consequence of others shutting us out of political debates, because I do hopefully in one day <laughs> expect the situation to change. I'm trying not to make enemies, but they keep coming knocking on my door. But, okay, we complained a little during that period, but then we figured, well... Okay, they won't put us on. We'll have to be our own media and speak to the public directory or directly and uh, without going through the usual messenger, okay, who doesn't want to carry our message. Okay, they all receive Freedom Party media releases almost <laughs> weekly, if not daily, the way Paul puts them out. Yet when was the last time you heard anything about what Freedom Party had to say on electricity prices or health care or education or the price of beer or voting or freedom? Well, we've got policies out on all these, planks, TV ads, everything, sitting there ready to go. The other parties hadn't even got off the starting line yet. So, but I'm not here to whine about this, and, you know, and no matter how unjust I regard it to be. Because we decided what we always have been forced to do, we decided to do this, to be our own fourth estate, to be our own media. Voila. We became our own publisher and printing press. We had to, to avoid outside... Now, at this point, I'm talking about back in the 1980s. We had to get our own printing equipment, remember? I do. I was uh, a part had, of it then. And one of the reasons was, was to avoid outside printers refusing to reprint our own news stories in which Freedom Party was covered. They wouldn't <laughs> reprint them because they might be from other newspapers. And then they'd have to write to the newspaper and get permission and blah, 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 blah. So we got our own printing uh, equipment, did our own publishing. We sent all the stuff we ever p 
printed out of other papers. We always referenced it, always gave them credit. We sent it to the source. We've never once in 30 years has anyone ever complained to us about a copyright violation. Now, actually, Not you actually once. started a newspaper back in those days, didn't you? Oh, that was the London Tribune. That's a whole other story. Yeah, so you know a little bit about the oh, news yes. newspaper industry. And I know how government operates and who they, who they uh, subsidize and who they don't and how that whole deal works. Uh, one thing you have to know about newspapers and anybody in the media, it's not the, the objective media reporting you might think it is. Newspapers and all forms of media have some sort of, uh, the major ones, um, say in the political process, an interest in it, you know, if, if you want to put it that way. In fact, that's why we started a paper. We had an interest in politics. <laughs> and it's a losing proposition all the way, the newspaper part. But we decided to be our own printing press, you know, we set up, and then along came the internet. After we went to our own, you know, hard copy, we set up a site. We were one of the first. We had millions of hits on Freedom Party's um, internet site before the other parties even got websites set up. Uh, then, of course, YouTube came, and we were among the first to set up a channel. And next thing you know, Freedom Party and Freedom Party leaders Paul McKeever's YouTube stats are dwarfing those of the major parties and leaders, federal and provincial combined. And we're just sitting here going, huh? You know, amazing. So you can well imagine how it looked to us, um, the optics, some would say, when a supposedly private news interest, CTV Globe Media, is shutting down our message within our own medium, on our own station, in such a way as to threaten the very existence of that medium. Um, I've already talked about the, the three strikes and you're out thing. Now, of course, the complication here is YouTube, which has this shoot first, ask questions later policy on, on copyright infringement complaints, which one would think would facilitate a bit of abuse, wouldn't it? I actually think that that's an American law um, uh, imposed upon all uh, internet sites in the United States. Has is it that been? If I think so. I looked at uh, looked this up a little earlier on, and while in the States, if anybody complains, you have to, as you say, shoot first and mm -hmm. ask questions later. In other words, take down these allegedly offending copy and then talk about it later while in Canada you have to prove it go to a court get a warrant go to the place and then say well, I guess that requires an explanation because Freedom Party site is situated in the United States yes and uh, and that's another story folks why we have to be down there and we're a Canadian party for heaven's sakes but uh, I'll tell you that story someday too but this idea of of a single sentence or half a sentence in an ad being considered a copyright violation by the way CTV has put the ad back up if you go check either on uh, freedomparty.on.ca which is the website of Freedom Party of Ontario um, you can get two different copies of it but you wouldn't know which one you were watching one's on our site one's on YouTube they're both running now because mm -hmm. CTV put it back up but then they left the telephone message asking us to take it down again after they'd put it up after they put it up and we haven't heard from them since so we don't know where we stand okay and I don't know why they're so anal about this. This is really strange. I mean, of all other political parties have hundreds, if not thousands, of CTV complete ads on their, not ads, but, you know, outtakes on their um, websites. Now, I think it only goes to show, and I, this is my opinion, obviously the ad about the racism in, in schools, the fact that both the conservatives and the liberals, through their inactions, support racist-based schools, that somebody at that institution was rankled. I think so. And we can't prove who because nope. it but was done by the corporation. But when you look at the silliness of it, well, we'll hear it in a minute, but consider the same scenario in the 2003 provincial election, which was triggered 
by an ad, an election ad, that Freedom Party ran, <laughs> okay? And we put an insert in the pages of uh, the Ontario distribution of the National Post. Put in 130,000 copies of a four-page insert entitled, originally it was entitled Just Blow Me. It had, <laughs> it had Ernie Eves on a, on a weather vane, eh? And uh, they were going to go with it, and then the National Post over the summer changed ownership, and they made us change the title to Don't Blow It Again. Yeah. <laughs> Referring to the cartoon caricature of Ernie Eves on the weather vane. But that was published by Freedom Party, and one whole page of that four-page insert was direct quotations of newspaper writers and editorialists. A full page of these quotations, some several sentences long, condemning the action and government of Ernie Eves. We quoted the Toronto Star, the Sun, the Post, the London Free Press, anybody. They were all in there. We never got a single complaint from anybody. Can you imagine how they'd look if they would have? Of course. What would they have been saying? Because that's so, not infringement. No. And, you know, the National Post distributed our, distributed our ad, which effectively contained all these copyright commentaries, you know, infringements inside. It never came up, by the way. But not a single complaint or concern, at least concerning copyright. So now CTV has alleged a copyright violation because in Freedom Party's Election 11 ad, we quoted one sentence in one instance and a half sentence in another. And, you know, out of all the possible serious copyright violations out there in the world of the news media... Ours is so insignificant and such a short reference. It, it wow, it makes you really wonder what is going on. It's just, it's almost pathological in a way. I don't know. But sure enough, I'm sitting, we're watching TV this Saturday night, and I'm watching, we've been getting, my friends and I, we've been watching first season of Boston Legal. Great show. That incredible show. I had no idea it was so good. I probably would have watched it when it came out if I had known how good it was when it was on the air. But, uh, you know, this is the art imitates life category. I'm going to go to the break now. Coming up on this side of the bumper is an audio excerpt from Boston Legal's first season in which so many points of principle, not facts, parallels Freedom Party's brief experience with YouTube and CTV Globe Media. If you simply were to substitute the high school principal you hear in this clip for CTV Globe Media, the principal school and its jurisdiction over students as YouTube, maybe the defense lawyer for a Freedom Party's position on the issue, the parallels are haunting. It's amazing. And then on the other side of the bumper, we'll hear the three 30-second video ads which were pulled from YouTube on the day of their release and reposted a week later after CTV Globe Media withdrew their complaint on February 1st. See if you can spot the alleged copyright complaint and also consider the nature of the issue involved. We'll be back right after this. Pleasure, sir. Thanks again for agreeing to see me. Not at all, especially since I've made no such agreement. Show him the gizmo, Stuart. Tell him what it is, Stuart. It's called a news blocker. Sold off the internet, you attach it to the coaxial input on your television, and it basically blocks news transmissions. It's true. My high school principal attached these devices to all the televisions in the building. The problem is, it turns out it only blocks one network, the most fair and balanced one. All the others, kids can watch. It singles out one network only. Yes, because this network supposedly pushes a conservative agenda, which is a lot of hooey. This is blatant censorship. It furthers evidence of a liberal media, and I, for one, am sick of it. In all my years. In all those years. And then, when I saw the documentary outfoxed, it blew my mind. 
Because? Because it detailed the extent to which the media can go to promote conservative Republican causes. Okay, but to put a device on the television? Well, I hate the idea of shutting down free expression, but this became more of a safety issue. A safety issue? They've got their talk show host declaring that anyone who is opposed to the war is an enemy of the state, a traitor. And we're getting more and more fights. Kids are being attacked for being unpatriotic. Arab and Muslim students being targeted. Maybe this little device is overkill. I admit that. But I've got a high school to run. And the first order of the day is keep the kids safe. I thought the first order of an academic community was embracing diversity of opinion. Not when it's a bias that fosters intolerance. Did you attach any little blockers to uh, networks that lie about presidents and, say, the National Guard? I don't dispute there's a liberal bias, too. But you don't censor those networks? Those networks don't foster intolerance. Any blockers for shock jocks? Or is racism and misogyny not a concern? Look, there's a lot of garbage out there. I'll admit what that. What about your own teachers? My teachers? A recent poll showed six out of seven college professors voted for John Kerry. Does that not suggest a bias in academia, Mr. Harper? Objection. We've got countless news programs, too many talk shows to keep track of, all kinds of opinions being spewed out over the airwaves, extremes to the left, to the right, and the only thing you block... That's actually not true. There's all kinds of programs we don't permit. But this is the only news show. Look, what does it say that they make a device to block out this particular news network? It says that censorship is popular. That doesn't make it right. And as principal, I have to make that call. public schools should not tell children that this man is among the greatest black athletes in history. They should tell children that this man is among the greatest athletes in history. A freedom government will eliminate race-focused public schools. I am the greatest! One race, the human race. Freedom Party. Late last night, the Toronto District School Board approved a controversial proposal to create the city's first black-focused public school. In 2008, the Toronto School Board decided to establish a black-focused public school. Liberal Premier Dalton McGuinty refused to stop it. He's not taking any action to stop the board from establishing the school. Tim Hudak's progressive conservatives did not object to it. The school now teaches little children that their potential and their values are determined by the color of their skin. A freedom government will eliminate race-based public schools. This black school thing? No, it ain't right. One race. The human race. Freedom Party. Ontario's public schools should not tell children that this woman is among the world's most important black advocates of reason. As opposed to leading your life according to a set of so-called divine ideas. They should tell children that she is among the world's most important advocates of reason. Life is unending itself. The freedom of the individual goes above anything that any god can say. A freedom government will eliminate race-focused public schools in Ontario. One race, the human race. Freedom Party. Well, those ads certainly were a button pusher in the Toronto market when they were aired on uh, CFRB 
that week and sure got the audience going. Got CTV Globe Media going too, by the sounds of it. Well, I guess so. Uh, and I don't know. Did you spot? Did you spot the, the copyright violation? I have in no there? idea. <laughs> now there was some uh, news clips yes. in there, but they only lasted seconds. That's right. And here is the quote from CTV. Quote. Late last night. Now, by the way, it had the CTV um, thing on it. We didn't take that off. What do you yeah. call that? The, the water stain? You know, the watermark. I watermark. Guess. I think whatever. Station it's identification. Yeah. And uh, and on one, it wasn't on there. And we went out of our way to let the public know this was taken from CTV. Right. So mm-hmm. we, we weren't. You know. And here's what we took. Late last night, the Toronto District School Board approved a controversial proposal to create the city's first black-focused public school. End quote. That's it. That, yeah, and we also put it that that sentence in print, or some one of those sentences in print. So whether this is a copyright violation, I can't say that CTV reported X. We do that on the show here constantly. And you're guessing here too, because CTV hasn't even told you what the alleged no, they haven't told us. Was. But we know that we use material. But where's the violation? Is that a violation? Because if that's a violation. That would have ramifications for everything. You, th- you think usage-based billing is an issue? <laughs> you wait till that one hits the fan. If you can't even repeat a sentence that a media has said. Now, how, how is it that the media even thinks it has a right to, to, to such a copyright? I want to talk about that. And, of course, the other thing is, the quote was, a part of a sentence, dot, 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 he's not taking any action to stop the board from establishing the school, end quote. Not taken out of context, informative. Now, I have to tell you, there was an, what makes this interesting to me is the history of the development of these ads. Um, of our call to end race-based public schooling in Ontario. This ad is really three 30-second ads end-to-end. Mm-hmm. If you look at the rest of our ads, they're all 30 seconds. And the reason was it began with a two-ad message, sort of contrasting the two alleys. Okay, you had Muhammad Ali on one side and Ian Hersey Alley on the other. Um, both black, both Muslim, both, um, you know, in the race-based issue of well, their religion, and he was always called a black athlete, when really he should be called the greatest athlete, right? And, uh, that's debatable, though. <laughs> well, that's, of course it's debatable, but what's not debatable is putting the black color that's on That's not debatable, no. That's correct. So what we found when we played those two ads, everybody just looked at us, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, okay, you're against race-based schools, yes, or wait, what's your point? Nobody knew we had any or that we're moving in that direction. We have poverty-based schools now, oh, according to the news the other day. You're telling, me, you're telling me. I was just looking at that, too. And, uh, and that's part of the same policy, by the way. So we realized what we had to do was inform the public that this is going on. The only way we could do it was say, look, here, it's in the news. Here's our objective. This is, this is our source. This is how we come to know this. So we show them the one, the one clip that they see off a t- news ad. They no, no longer are in the dark about why we're saying this. You're validating your position. We're validating our position. We're a political party. We have to react to what's happening in the news. If the news is cut off to us as a reference, we can't even campaign. How could you? Can't, how could you? How could you live in a democracy with something like that going on? I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand their 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 their, their concern. But you know, so we had to go through this, and it was all this confusion. So we had to necessitate a report of the facts from which the news media was our only source of validation. So that's why we did the third one in the middle that explains the actual situation. Now, I don't, you know, did you see this article by um, Christina Blizzard, February 2nd? And she's talking about, again, what you just brought up, the the low-income 
Yes. You know, a school for poor kids. Amazing. I actually uh, copied the link onto my Facebook Did to you? let everybody else know if they hadn't noticed. Well, I'm actually in agreement with uh, NDP, MVP <laughs> Peter Cormos, who calls the plan educational apartheid. Wow, pigs can fly. And, uh, you know, she points out how it's an alarming trend. Toronto District School Board kicked it off with its Afrocentric school. It also implies low-income kids aren't smart. You know, wasn't the last provincial election all about separating kids by faith? Voters trashed that idea. And in, incidentally, guess what else is in our ad, the part they didn't talk about, is that... Uh, it shows that Hudak is still in favor of faith-based funding. Even after the election, he went on record saying that they're still going to look at finding some way for private faith-based schools to get taxpayer funding. Can you imagine? Talk about not learning the lesson, eh? So that's where our situation is. Now, uh, you know, the issue is, I guess you call it the fourth estate. And in copyright, we've talked a lot about copyright here. When it comes to the fourth estate, it's important to be consistently aware that in the reporting of news and any related commentary to such, the media is not just the message. The media or is it is not the message. It's the messenger. Okay, it's it's like a witness. In the case of uh, fiction or creative art, the media is the message. It's a complete work of art, everything about it. And even here, fair use principles, if not laws, apply to copyright. And by the way, the legal situation on copyright is just a dog's breakfast. It's just horrible. <laughs> There's no clarity on it anywhere. But when a writer or a videographer or a reporter with a microphone or you and I or anyone out there reports on an event that concerns the public domain, then that reporter's acting as a public witness, not as an artist with some imagined absolute right to the creation of his mind. The people who recorded the event at that city city hall thing where they voted for that they didn't write the the script they didn't tell you you know the people on the board didn't give them a script and it wasn't all scripted it was a natural event to which we all have to make a decision on we have to, we are expected to consent to something at the polls based on information and if we can't get that information and if the news media sets itself up if it wants that status to be considered news. Do you want to be considered news? Do you want to be credible? Well, don't tell me I can't refer to you after you told me, gave me the facts. You know, how would you look sitting here? Well, we found out about this, um, you know, these schools in Toronto, but we can't tell you where we found out, um, but it's rumored. And, you know, but what could CTV say to us? Get, get the information yourself? Well, we can't relive the event. <laughs> we can't go back. What, what, what am I supposed to well, do? Well, not only that, these uh, public forums, these school boards, uh, city halls, uh, Queen's Park, only allow usually accredited uh, news reporters in there. They have privilege. They have yes. standing in society. You and I can't go in there and often, often take film of uh, and record these these events because we're not accredited media. That's right. So they have an obligation to share the material that the, that they're getting in there. That's exactly right. And, and you know the premise of copyright laws. You know, it was to give creators of copyrighted material control over that material and how and where and when it was used. But if you extend a right such as this into the public domain, that would that can be nothing more than censorship when you're talking about news, when you're talking about democratic institutions being reported on, when you're talking about court cases. Consider, you know, also, I'm often the object of the news media. They might cover me. What if I don't like the coverage? What if it's unfair? I can't go back to that article and reprint it to show it to people. That's, that's why we did it in our newsletters. To, mm -hmm. so that Good we, point. We could never have defended Elijah Elia before a Human Rights Commission if I couldn't go back and read all those contrived essays and editorials about Mr. Elia over the years that appeared in the London Free Press. 
we had to bring them into a courtroom. Fortunately, they were available at that time at the London Public Library, another copyright violator. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, that was necessary for the survival. You just can't talk that way. Nobody's taking away that intrinsic right of CTV or anyone as being the source. In fact, we went out of our way to identify them as such. You'd think they'd say, thank you, guys. But no, they came to us and acted like this. I just don't know why. You know, we, remember we talked about copyright being that incorporeal right that's non-transferable, by the way. So whether we use a clip from any other source and we're careful how we use it, you know, we're not going to claim it's our own. We're not, we're not competing with CTV in any way. There's no way in a million years they could claim any dollar damages over our quoting that. Actually, if anything, I think Freedom Party has a, a right to claim damages in this if there's any sort of alleged violation because, as you say, this was reported on CFRB 1010 in Toronto, a market of millions of people. And within minutes, I guess, of, of that report, it was taken down. So you've lost the impetus of that coverage um, because of uh, the action of YouTube taking it down. Precisely. And the issue itself is a hot one. You know, the, this, this issue of racism in so many of its forms. And, and, and we have the problem constantly of being, the, quote, the right-wing racist party when we're out there saying no to racism and every other party is being left-wing left -wing racist. And we're not supposed to point this out or something. I don't get it. But, um, you know, <laughs> I just sit here scratching my head and I think about all the violations we see out there. Can you Supposed violations, well, because they're, they're not in well, your, what they, your if, definition of violations. They're violations. If, we're, if ours is a violation, yeah. everything else out there is a violation. Certainly. And so, um, you know, we can get into the bigger picture, but, you know, the, the issue of racism and, and quashing speech, you heard it in the clip, too, from, from Boston Legal. You hear it a couple more times. What do they always use as the excuse? Public safety, public, public safety, safety, public safety. Uh, from everything from buildings to racism, everything, when, when somebody wants to censor something in, in, in the public forum, it's public safety. And where does that apply? I don't know. But here's, a, here's another clip from uh, Boston Legal as we come to the bottom of the hour, and we'll continue on the other side of this. And um, we, we, don't, we don't actually get to hear the, the resolution of the Boston Legal case, which, by the way, um, the judge in the end did rule in the favor of the student and they quashed the censorship, but that's not the part you're going to hear. You're going to hear the, the closing argument on the part of the defense. And we'll be back after this. Mr. Short, this is a school. Is it wise to expose students to programs which send the message you're anti-American if you question the government? Your Honor, before we convict them as the network of conservative values, or any values for that matter, let's remember these are the folks who brought you Joe Billionaire and Who's Your Papa? That's the entertainment division, Mr. Shore. I'm talking about the news. And I'm telling you it's all the same. This is money, Your Honor, not politics. Let me say, I am a great lover of the news. I can see I that. I watch it all. On days like 9-11 or for other world-changing events, the news programs are nothing short of spectacular. When Martin Luther King delivered I Have a Dream, when President Kennedy was shot, when we walked on the moon, the Tet Offensive, our lives are shaped by these events, in part because of the news. But on all other days, they're businesses looking to compete like anybody else in a highly competitive marketplace. They sell product, 
And even if you're determined to believe that this particular network is some evil empire looking to spread right-wing propaganda, that still doesn't change the fact that we are in this room today because a principle is shutting down the expression of ideas simply because he disagrees with the content. If anything needs a champion today, it's the First Amendment. In a recent poll, half of today's high school students thought newspapers should get government approval of stories before publishing them. The First Amendment has become an endangered species, and here we have a high school principal practicing censorship. My, my. We do have a problem. to do, I give up. I've gone the limit. I'm at my wit's end. That's not going very far, Alva. It's all right for you to make cracks, but I'm in trouble. We need some excitement to boost circulation. I've got to invent a crusade, and I don't know what on earth the crusade about. Did we start a campaign against streetcar monopolies? We did that two years ago. Then we had a crusade against canned vegetables and a crusade against Wall Street. Now, what else is there to be against? Dominique, you're such a smart woman. Couldn't Sorry, you think Alva, of... I'm not good at that sort of thing. Gail Wynand expects results. The banner's got to be active. I've racked my brain, and I can't think of anything to denounce. I can. What? This. Oh, who cares about a building? My dear editor, it depends on how you handle it. That building is an outrage against art and a threat to public safety. It might collapse at any moment. Nobody's ever used that structural method before. Yeah? The owner of it is Roger Enright, one of those self-made men. Stubborn and rich as blazers. It's always safe to denounce the rich. Everyone will help you. The rich first. Yeah. Howard Rowe. Who is he? I wouldn't know. Think what you could do with it. Here's a super luxury apartment house going up, and there's all those poor people who have to live in the slums. Say, we could have some Sunday supplement stories about beautiful girls who were victims of the slums with pictures and three-color process. You've got something there, Ellsworth? You've got it. It's a wonderful idea. I know why I'm located. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can call 519-661-3600 to give us your opinion about what we're talking about. And what we are talking about is the fourth estate. And uh, you just heard a clip, actually, from The Fountainhead, movie starring Gary Cooper, uh, written by Ayn Rand. Screenplay, too. Yeah, and you'll notice Mistake. that what was the what was the impetus for um, attacking the Enright building and denouncing it? A threat to public safety. A threat to public safety. What public was the safety. impetus to stop the kids from hearing, which was obviously Fox Network, but they didn't say it, you know? Yes. Uh, public safety. Public kids safety. kids will fight if they hear this stuff, you see. Right. So you blame the network on the actions of the kids. I've, where, where do we hear this theme coming up over and over again? What do they call that? A paper a tiger or a straw doll or something? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, many institutions of the fourth estate often advertise themselves as trusted news sources. You hear that all the time. Trust is the fourth estate's backbone, in my opinion. Without trust, I'd venture to say that news organizations would no longer exist. Why would people watch a show they did not trust? Uh, why would uh, advertise, businessmen advertise 
um, for, on, an, on a, a news show mm-hmm. that was untrusted and nobody watched it because of that. They, they wouldn't exist without trust. But trust is fleeting. And any hint of plagiarism, scandal, fabrication, bias or omission could irreparably damage a news organization's credibility and hence its existence. That's why they often go to great lengths to report the news accurately, avoiding any threat of libel. But the established newspapers and networks today are rapidly losing the trust with the third estate, that is us, the people, not necessarily through libel, plagiarism or fabrication, but with bias and omission. I think you alluded to this earlier on, Bob. Mm -hmm. Bias is becoming quite obvious in today's news media. In the U.S., the notion that Fox, as as a conservative bias, is quite common and quite blatant. But does that make them untrustworthy? Not necessarily. No, I wouldn't say so. No, no but it's bias. Yes. Bias no, without is a doubt. fine. Okay, yeah. we're biased. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust you, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Feelings mutual there, Mets. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. In Canada, the notion that all the television news networks are pro-government is also very common. Right? Mm-hmm. There is, in my opinion, no real bias to either conservative or liberal, because as I've mentioned on the show before, there's no effective or significant difference between the liberals and the conservatives in this country. It's either pro-government or not. The news media panders to government regardless of the party in power. The bias comes from omission. There are political parties like the Freedom Party and advocacy, advocacy groups in Canada who are decidedly opposed to most government action, yet these groups get virtually no coverage from the media, are completely ignored, or if they are noticed at all, it is to ridicule them. Any group or party which opposes the government, for example, immigration policies, foreign aid programs, official language policies, or a myriad of socialist programs is a pariah to the news media and are shunned. There are rare exceptions, though, Bob, and I don't want uh, anybody to think that there are no news outlets out there with journalistic integrity in this country. There are. But the act of ignoring certain groups and their opinions is an easy one for news organizations to commit because if they don't report on them, then the populace don't realize what they're missing and therefore they can't accuse the media of being biased or omitting something because they don't know about it. And yet there's only so much time in a given news broadcast, in a, only so many pages in a given newspaper. So regardless of bias, every publisher has to decide what goes in based on other external restrictions, right? Yes, and I grant you that. However, why is it they always, always decide on the three main parties or the pro-government parties or the socialist parties rather than tuning to, for example, the Freedom Party, which offers a completely... Uh, uh, opposite point of view. Well, because they, haven't, che- they haven't checked the YouTube statistics yet. <laughs> <laughs> their space in their newspapers yeah, can't be that tight. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Today's media considers themselves to be unbiased if, when debating an issue, they'll include a panel consisting of conservative, liberal, and new grammar guy. There. Okay, we're not biased. We've got three parties in there. Yeah. Each panelist the will Yeah. <laughs> each panelist will try to outdo the other in throwing money at the problem in question. Each will have the same opinion as the other, except when it comes to degree. That's about it, just degree. Mm -hmm. Nothing will be resolved, and the problem will continue to grow until next year when the same three panelists from the same three socialist parties meet again to discuss the same problem. This time, they'll discuss how much more money they can throw at the problem. A fair panel 
should not only consist of members as members of the three socialist parties, but also a member of, for example, the Freedom Party, who would explain that throwing money at a problem is not the solution, that, that the problem exists because the government chose to involve itself in something that it shouldn't have, have in the first place. But they don't want to hear that. And while members of the Freedom Party do appear on panels, it is almost never on the big pro-government networks. It is usually on the smaller local or cable networks. Well, there's one exception, and that would be Crossroads Television System, CTS. Well, that's one of the yeah. smaller local cable. No, they're, no, not, it's not local. No, they're, they're not local and they're not small. They're coast to coast. Well, I've actually been on, their, I've been on their program as well. They have a beautiful big studio it's in uh, Hamilton, or Burlington, isn't it? And they broadcast in but I think uh, they're only in, Canadian cities. No, I think they're only in like uh, Calgary and Edmonton and out here in Toronto, London, Hamilton area. Aren't they? That's where they actually have transmitters, but they're on cable in many other cities. Right. Yeah. But I don't think you that don't anybody... You don't need cable to get them in those cities. I don't think anybody would call them part of the big no. pro-government no. networks, though. That's no. my point, is that we do appear on shows, but shows or networks that are... Oh, I would say that on the fringe, well, in, in their not, own little not, niche. Not not the three biggies or the yeah. two biggies. Yeah. <clears throat> but as well as deceiving the public by emitting opinions which don't agree with theirs, the trust we placed in the media is being eroded as we are beginning to realize that much of the so-called news stories of the press are, while having a kernel of truth to them, actually manufactured as crises. And that clip we just heard from the Fountainhead just illustrates the point. Mm. I bet you that goes on every day in the newsroom of most of the Canadian newspapers. Consider the recent green extremists' incessant campaigns against everything from CO2 to plastic water bottles, idling cars, cigarette smoke, cell phones, windmills, Alberta oil sands, and on and on and on. Ad nauseum. The amount of copy or airtime given to these manufactured scandals created to put the fear into our hearts vastly outnumbers the amount of time the media take to report on more important things like the revolution in Egypt or the steady stream of thousands of Canadians crossing the border into the States to get proper and timely health care. Yesterday, the National Post, by the way, one of those trusted news outlets I would consider with integrity, uh, on their front page, they carried the fall of Egypt's Mubarak. The front page of the London Free Press consisted of three articles. The first is entitled, yeah, but does the hologram recite poetry about the mayor's first speech since taking office? The second is about a methadone clinic contesting a city bylaw prohibiting it from setting up. And the third consisted of four sentences about the Egyptian crisis, but is it about Mubarak's decision to step down? Nope. It's entitled, Volunteers Fill the Breach Left by Civic Security Services. Continued on page nine. Even when faced with real, defining moments in history, such as the Egyptian Revolution, this paper, at least, chooses to all but ignore it. What, we're used, what we use as our source of information has drastically changed over the past 10 years, Bob, and the days of the populace trusting the established news media is almost over. The Internet is taking over the news world and the days of editors and publishers forming our opinions and feeding us pap and manufactured crises is coming to an end. But more on the uh, rise of the internet and the fall of the fourth estate when we return from this brief break. The sales department has just sent down this, uh, well, little reminder. But I'm gonna make it easy for everybody. What it says is that ever since Preston Carpenter 
bought the Metropolis Star and started throwing his money around this town. The Star has been selling twice as many newspapers as the planet. Both newsstand and subscription. Can anybody explain this to me? Bigger type, smaller words? No, Lois. Carpenter's got reporters out hustling us on the street. In the last month, the star has outscooped us on every single major news story in this town. Now, what am I going to lead off this afternoon's edition with that's going to change all that? Well, Secretary Wallace is in town to sign that nuclear arms treaty with Omir. We're waiting here on a one-on-one. -on -one. That'll really have them lining up at the newsstands. Lois, have you got a better idea? Police charity scams? <laughs> at least it's local. Now, people, for 50 years, the Daily Planet's been the top dog in this town, and the Metropolis Star has been this dirty little puppy nipping at our heels. Now, I don't mean to be an alarmist, but unless we get some major news stories on our own, the faces around here are going to start changing. Now, what we need is a good scandal, a crime wave. Hotel fire! That'll do. There's a woman trapped on a ledge of the Metropolitan and the fire department's ladders can't reach her. Yes! Lois Clark, shake some tail. All right! If you criticize the religion of peace, you're likely to be accused of hate speech by people who will go on to abuse and to threaten you as graphically and disgustingly as their fevered imaginations will allow, yet you'll be the one guilty of hate speech. And if you're unlucky enough to live in certain parts of Europe, you'll also be prosecuted as a criminal. Anyone who thought that Denmark's experience with the cartoons might encourage that country to grow a backbone will be dismayed to hear that Denmark is the latest European country to persecute its own citizens for telling the truth about the religion of permanent offence. This week, Lars Hedegaard, president of the Free Press Society, is on trial in Denmark for accurately referring to the comparatively high number of family rapes in Islamic culture. As most people know, violence against women and girls is one of the things that make Islamic culture distinctly inferior to Western culture. Not different, but significantly less civilized. However, the Danish authorities would like people to pretend that Islamic violence against women and girls doesn't exist, because otherwise they might have to do something about it. And that's the last thing they want, because that would mean rioting in the streets and barricades and burning cars and all the rest of it. And... Danish people travelling in Muslim countries might also be attacked and killed, so they'd rather pretend it isn't happening and criminalise anyone who says it is. It's much safer for them to victimise their own people because they know there won't be any rioting and nobody will be murdered. In this trial, as with the other two show trials currently underway in the Netherlands and in Austria, the truth is no defence. Because this is not about establishing the truth or upholding the truth, which is what justice is supposed to do. It's about suppressing the truth to appease the threat of Muslim violence, which makes it an act of cultural terrorism. And it's compounded by the fact that we haven't heard a word about any of this from the Western media, the so-called free press, who seem to want to keep it as their little secret. If not for the Internet, nobody would even know this trial was happening, or the one in Austria, for that matter. Causing offence is now a crime in several European countries. Doesn't anyone in the Western media have anything critical to say about that at all? Or are they all too stupid and complacent to realise that these laws also threaten the freedom of the press, as well as that of ordinary people to express an honest opinion? 
It's one of my favorite sources of not only opinion, but news on the internet is the video blog of Pat Condal, available on YouTube. We just heard an excerpt from his la latest rant, which has so far been viewed over 82,000 times, even though it just went up last week. One of his most popular posts has been viewed 5,768,509 times uh, as of when I just last checked uh, yesterday. Lloyd Robinson or Peter Mansbridge could never dream of having that many viewers, and yet here we have a very clever man in London, England, with nothing but a video camera and a sharp wit gathering an audience of millions. Why? Because he's saying things that the mainstream media will not say. He's reporting on stories that the mainstream media ignore. As part of my daily dose of news consumption, I subscribe to two newspapers, but browse online 11 others, including The Guardian, The Jerusalem Post, The Ottawa Citizen, and The Wall Street Journal. I tune into Facebook every evening, not to look at my family photos, but to follow some of the links friends and others have posted, which do not make it through the corporate news filter. And with sites like Dig, Twitter, Facebook, and Google News, the world news is at your fingertips. Much of it edited and watered down pap from the main news networks, but also much of it raw first-hand accounts of events the media ignores. With the internet, we now have the capacity, Bob, in most cases, to go straight to the source for information, bypassing the usual pundits' tired views. On issues of climate change, which we've covered on this show, we did not just read what the press had to say about the subject. We went directly to the United Nations reports. We downloaded countless documentaries on the subject and read many of the scientific papers on both sides. We visited sites showing us information Are that the media... Are you aware copyright? Yeah. <laughs> I Just letting you care. know. Just warning you. <laughs> we visited sites showing us information that the media usually ignore. And the fascinating fact is that all of this could be done in an evening on the Internet. With such a powerful weapon at our disposal, it's only a matter of time before the government and other vested interests in ideas and power restrict our use of this remarkable search and research and entertainment tool. When Egypt's President Mubarak realized that part of what made the revolution in Tunisia successful was the instant communication between its people via cell phone, texting, and Twitter, he moved to shut down the cell phone communications and Internet in his country. But apparently it was too late for him. China routinely restricts the content of the web from its citizens, as does many other dictatorial states. The Canadian government and the old media corporations, too have not sat idly by while its citizens eschew the mainstream media for its entertainment and news. They've used the CRTC to control access by fixing prices, maintaining the monopoly that Bell has on the Internet's infrastructure, capped download capacity, and even set the speed at which we can access the Internet. Contrary to popular belief, our nation does not have a free market in the Internet. All providers have packages that sell to the consumer tailored by the CRTC and they are unable to compete fairly due to CRTC government rulings on bandwidth, price, and speed. Now, the latest attempt at controlling our access begins on March 1st, or it might not, when download capacity will apparently, or maybe not, be capped <laughs> at 25 gigs, with excessive usage being billed a fee that goes directly into the coffers of Bell, by the way, excessive is the term the CRTC has used to describe going over 25 gigs. I guess I'm excessive. Because you know what my downloads are per month, Bob? 
A lot. 237 gigs on average. I just looked it up. Well, <laughs> mind you, I have a, I get this, I have an unlimited package with Bell. Yes. <laughs> but mind you, I think that that's grandfather, because I, I got it quite a long time ago. So 25 gigs is nothing. This is a huge money grab. But, you know, something, of course, I went directly to the CRTC on the Internet to get a copy of their ruling and bypass the media in doing so. I wanted to get it directly from the horse's mouth. In this case, the ass's mouth. <laughs> but if you've noticed the paper this morning, after an online petition totaling over 350,000 signatures, last night, Minister of, uh, the Minister of Industry instructed the CRTC to rescind the unlimited use decision. Now, his method for the announcement? Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I found out about it via the Globe and Mail online after I searched through, um, I have an iGoogle, it's called, and it searches various news for news items, and uh, it brought this one up. So my research was done on the Internet. The minister used Twitter to announce it to the world that he's basically rescinding this stupid decision by the CRTC, which panders to uh, the big media and bell. And while this attempt at control has been averted for now... It still illustrates that the government, at will, can interfere with private contracts and with the Internet through the bureaucracy of the CRTC. They should not, this should not be allowed. The CRTC should get out of the Internet altogether. Anybody, the Internet is nothing but computers talking to each other. One computer talking to another through hub. That's it. That's what the Internet well, is. The another, government has no place in it. Another reason to get rid of the CRTC, as far as I'm concerned, I've been against them since, since I first found out they existed, which was when I was in a radio TV course. Mm -hmm. And I went through most of the year thinking I was going to graduate into a career that was wide open. You could do what you want. And near the end of the course, they tell us of this monster called the CRTC that tells you when you play, what to play, how to play it. This was back in the 70s. Uh, it hasn't changed that much. Canadian content rules. I'm going, wait a minute. I'm going in business, business for myself, not for the government. The CRTC I don't need another boss. should not exist in a free society. Nothing like that should exist in this country. Get rid of it. Well, it's interesting. Um, Kate Dubinsky concludes in an article talking about usage rules won't save cable. She says, Canada is known as a difficult place to do Internet business. We've put up so many walls, everything from copyright laws to Canadian content rules and now usage-based billing. The rules stifle competition, leaving consumers to pay more than they should for products, which Americans and Europeans pay peanuts, right, compared to us. And she says, practically everyone I know already downloads entire seasons of shows and, and watches them that way. You know, you know about before the Internet, before cable TV, and mm. even before computers, back in the dark times of, say, the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when apparently all the good music was made, because that's all you hear about. Oh, great music from the 50s, yeah. 60s, and 70s. <laughs> Canadians got its news from a couple of television stations and a few newspapers. International news was either through Reuters, the Associated Press, or state-owned CBC. So much power was concentrated in so few organizations back then. These organizations still exist and are feeling the growing discontent of the consumer, the third estate, us, who now has the ability to put their trust in other sources for their news. Thank you very much. They now have the ability to immediately question the news and opinions they see on TV and read in the paper and post their own opinions on the Internet where, as in the case of Pat Gondel, millions can read it or view it. The power of the fourth estate, Bob, is waning, and the power of the third estate, you and I, is growing. Do not think for a minute that the media and the government will stand for this much longer. 
And yet they could benefit from it if they went along with it instead of resisting it. That's how I look at resistance it. Is resistance is futile. Resistance is futile in this case. We'll bring you up to date again on this next week, but we've got to go now for this week. And we hope that you'll join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. And we'll bring you up to date on our status with regard to copyright. See you then next week. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. What are you doing? All right, all right. What's the matter with that? What about that one? Robert Vaughn, the Helsinki formula? <laughs> he was good in Man from Uncle.